being the happiest person that I can be and being as fulfilled of a person that I can be will be the legacy for them that they can do that in return. Well, hello there. It's Dr. Nicoletta with the Millennial Doc Podcast. I'm a physician, dermatologist, lifestyle entrepreneur, mama in medicine, and confidence success strategist. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring guests, lifestyle, relationship, and business tips to help you consistently take action, act confident, and live an abundant life. Step out with confidence and get ready. Hey, Millennial Doc listeners, welcome back to episode nine. This is going to be an incredible episode, and I just know that you will love this interview today. I speak with Dr. Aaron Carlquist, who is a dermatopathologist, mama in medicine of two, who refuses to settle for anything less than an exceptional life as a physician. She shares some great tips during her first year in attending physician life, some of her favorite books, and her mission on mentoring those below her in medicine. She absolutely enjoys teaching others how you can have a successful career and equally show up for your life outside the hospital. I know that you guys are going to love this. Oh, and that reminds me that I also know that I've heard so much feedback that you love the Metalita lab coats and scrubs, but did you actually know that they were named after figures from medical history? It's so awesome. If you want to upgrade your professional style with a confidence-boosting white coat that's worthy of your hard work and commitment to medicine, as we all know, you can use code Nicoletta7 for 20% off and you are off to enjoying a new confident look. So let's get into this episode with Dr. Carl Quist because I just know you are going to love it and please share what you learn. Tag both Dr. Carl Quist at Doctors Doc and tag at Dr. Nicoletta and let us know what you loved. Can't wait to hear. All right. Hey, Dr. Aaron Carlquist. I'm very happy to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much for being on and thanks so much for your support of the Millennial Doc Podcast. So before we get started, I would love for my listeners to get to know you more through just some rapid fire questions. Are you okay with starting okay. off with that? Of course. Awesome. All right. So where did you grow up? Well, I was technically born in Tampa, Florida, but I only lived there until I was eight. And since then, I had lived in Tallahassee, Florida, where I live now. Awesome. And how long have you lived in Tallahassee? Well, I lived in Tallahassee from the time I was eight through my second year of medical school at Florida State University. And then I left for seven years to continue my training. And I just moved back with my family in August. So awesome. going on a year back now. Cool. Awesome. What is one of your favorite books, non-medical or basically maybe last book you read? Any favorite book? Oh, definitely can answer that question. So recently I have been just obsessed with everything that Rachel Hollis does. I don't know if everybody is familiar with her, but she's basically like a motivational speaker and very active on social media and has come out with a couple of books recently that I've been reading like at the same time. So Girl, Wash Your Face and oh. Girl, Stop Apologizing. They're so good. They just make you want to go out and like 
conquer the world. So oh, awesome. Go yeah. wash your face. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm so gonna have good. to check that out. <laughs> Everybody has to read them. She's not awesome. paying me to say anything. I just love her. <laughs> That's awesome. I've heard some great things. Cool. So yeah. who is someone that has changed your life? Wow. You know what? The first thing that comes to my mind is my kids. My kids have like the biggest change of my entire life, which is just obvious, I guess, but is my children. I have a two and a half year old, well, going on three year old and a one year old. And they have just really changed my perspective. And, you know, you look at life totally differently. Like you look at life through their eyes, watching you and learning from you. And that does so much for your perspective and just your outlook. And it makes you just want to be a better person. So I'd say my kids, which is not what I would have thought I would say, but that was the first thing that comes to my head. No, that's awesome. We'll go more into that later. Okay. What is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments so far? So far, man, I could say a bunch of things. I guess like obvious things would be, you know, having kids and marriage, all those milestones, medical school and stuff like that. But I think one of the hardest things that I didn't think I would ever be able to do that I actually accomplished and worked towards, I did in medical school. And that was completing a half marathon because I'm not a runner at all. And I decided that that was something that I wanted to prove to myself that I could do. Like I could barely do like the five K's, you know, and I trained for it during medical school during my first year. And we did one of the Susan B. Komen races that was in Jacksonville, Florida. And I actually, I didn't have a good time. Like not, I had a great time. I enjoyed it. I didn't have a good finishing time. It was way (laughs) long, but it was just something that I proved to myself that I could actually do, even though I'm not naturally a good runner. So that's amazing. So what year did you do the half marathon? In my first year of medical school. Oh, in your first year. So you not only Yeah, so that was 2013, 2014. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I remember friends who were doing it during med school and I'm like, wow, I'm just going to stick to three miles a week, but to actually push yourself to do a plus if you're not a runner, that's, I feel like it did, did it help you like push you in other aspects? I'm sure with school, it just gave you like this discipline, right? Oh yeah. Being able to say like, you can be that consistent and disciplined and push yourself to do Something that isn't naturally what you're good at isn't naturally something that you really enjoy doing necessarily, but still commit and follow through with something that you have said that you're going to do and promised yourself that you're going to do is kind of changes, yeah, your your outlook on things and makes you feel like, yeah, I can if I can do that, then I can set my mind on all sorts of things and do it, you know, and yep. just because I don't like it or just because it's not the most enjoyable experience, you know, you can still do it. And yep finish it. So, oh, I just realized that was not 2014. That was when I, that was my next year after graduating in 2013. So that was 2010 actually. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is something that you do every day to build your confidence? I think one of the biggest things that I've started not that long ago, maybe like in the last six months or so, that's really been building my confidence in just put me in the right like headspace for the day and kept me really focused is consistently trying to write down and kind of meditate on my day, my goals, my things I'm grateful for, and actually putting them down on paper. 
And it's been really very powerful and motivating. And like when you feel motivated and focused and like you're on the right path, you know, and you get that sense of confidence, I think from that. Awesome. Totally agree with putting things down pen to paper. Yeah. What are you really, really grateful for today? Oh, I'd have to say my family. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really grateful for my family. They make everything, you know, if you have a bad day, you know, just things didn't go your way, you know, things were harder than normal for work, just a busy day, whatever it happens to be, or something unexpected happens, you know, going home and having my two little babies and my husband just there just unconditionally to just love you and want to spend time with you and hug on you. And, you know, it's, that's, that's just the best thing ever. Yeah. It means the world. Mm-hmm. All right. So I love those rapid fire questions. Now I'd love to just kind of get more into talking about your timeline and of first, like when you first decided to become a physician and then when you kind of decided that pathology route and derm path and kind of oh yeah talk me yeah. about. Yeah. So it's not, it wasn't like a smooth path. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a little roundabout how I got where I am now. So I'm a dramatic pathologist. And I'll kind of walk you through, I guess, that path and how I got there and my decision making and stuff. So first of all, medical school. So when I was in, I remember in high school being the first time that I was really like, I think I could be a doctor. Like, I really am interested. I really always liked science and everything and enjoyed those classes. And I don't have anyone in my family, immediate family or I have one uncle that is a doctor that's married into the family. And, but other than him, no one else in our family has been a doctor. And so we're not like a big medical family. It wasn't something I was exposed to that often. And I started thinking in high school, like this is kind of stuff I like, I'm interested in this. Maybe I think I could be a doctor. So started getting some interest there, did a little bit of shadowing experiences in high school. And I was like, yes, this is it. I love it. I shadowed a surgeon, actually a vascular surgeon, who I got to see amputations, you know, like 17. And I was like, it was pretty extreme experience. And I was like, oh yeah, I was fired up. I was like, I can do this. This is awesome. I love patients and love that interaction. And I was pretty set on that. And then I decided to go to Florida State for undergrad, which is where in Tallahassee, where I had already been living my whole life pretty much. And once I stepped on campus that first day, I was super intimidated. Like I saw people, they kind of, in your orientation, broke you up into the different groups. Like you guys are business, you guys are pre-med, whatever. And I just totally, totally got cold feet. And I said, um, well, my family's, most of them are in business. Yeah. Okay. No, not pre-med. I'll do business. And so that didn't really work. I won't go through every single change of major that I did, but ended up circling around and in a roundabout way, found myself back to being pre-med a couple years later. And I just I, kind of out of, out of process of elimination, I guess I started taking other stuff and I was like, no, like this is really where I need to be. I figured out that other things are not for me. And so I ended up going to medical school also at Florida State. And when I was there, I'd already worked at a dermatology office before I had kind of had like not a full year between, but I graduated from college in about in August of 2008. And then at FSU, 
at Florida State, our medical school starts in May, which is kind of weird. Like we have a small summer semester before like their typical four year schedule starts. And so I had like that eight months or so that I had to fill. And so I worked at a dermatology office during that time and loved it. I really thought like all the skin diseases were really cool. So this was before um, med school, right? This was before medical school. And then, uh, so I spent that short amount of time there. That was in Tallahassee also. And then once I got into medical school, I kind of, you know, the first two years, then going into my clinical years, I started going from rotation to rotation. And I was like, wow, pediatrics. So I think I could do this. I like this, you know, and liked kids, liked working with the parents, liked a lot of it. And then I would go to OBGYN. Oh no, I like this. Like, this is great. You know, and it's kind of the whole year went like that to the point where I was like, well, everything's great, but nothing sticks out to me. And I basically couldn't commit to anything. I'd only done like my six core rotations. And I said, well, kind of panicking here. And one of the staff, our campus, and that's like a student support coordinator, had to sit me down finally one day. And she was like, what do you like? What are your priorities? What do you like about medicine? But you know, we went through like every single step and she helped me kind of walk through that process and figure out why I liked certain rotations, why I didn't like certain rotations as, or the things I liked and did not like about certain rotations. And then found my way to pathology basically. And I spent a small amount of time. I didn't have a formal actual like month or two months. I think I had a couple weeks that I spent doing a rotation in pathology. That was the only thing I could fit in my schedule about that late amount of time. Was that Once in I got third that year? Along. Was that in third year? Or? In third year. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I just went for it. I was like, I love pathology. This is so cool. This is something I barely even knew existed. You know, like it's so like behind the scenes and under the radar for most medical students. And I really just like fell in love with it immediately. And I just went with my gut and I said, yep, this is what I'm going to do. And then kind of the same thing sort of happens through residency, which is how I found Dermpath. Like I'd always liked dermatology from that experience back before I started medical school. And that ended up kind of like narrowing down my subspecialty areas in pathology and kind of directing me back towards dermatology and pathology. So doing derm path. So it was kind of roundabout, but <laughs> I'm so glad I ended up where I am now because I'm so happy. I love doing derm path. It's the best. Yay. And I don't know if a lot of my listeners know, but I'll be doing a derm path fellowship at University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston. Starts in oh, Ju- July. Of tw- yeah, it starts July 2020. So, you know, when I, I graduate next year. Mm-hmm. That is so exciting. Congratulations. Yay, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't have a similar st- Well, I mean, I shadowed in Durham prior to med school too, but when it comes to path, I, I had like a histo class when I was, you know, in college and I just really like went like extra liked it, like the mm-hmm. looking under the scope. And then my husband always told me, he's like, you know what? Like I see you as Durham path. Like I, I, I know you'll like it and I really love it. And so, yeah, I interviewed this past fall and matched. So that is so awesome. Yeah, yeah that is the best. Yes, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. 
Well, all of us in it just only get why it's the best. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is so true. So I was reading and you're triple boarded. So what does it feel like to be triple boarded? And do you recertify for all of them or only for DermPath? Do you have to recertify for them all? Like, and how yes. often is that? Yes, all of them. Well, first, so for pathology, most, the vast majority of pathologists go through the four years of residency training. And at the end of the four years, they have been trained in both anatomic pathology and clinical pathology. And then we take a board exam before we even graduate from residency. It's in June usually of your last year. You take the anatomic pathology board exam one day and the well, actually, it's clinical pathology first, if I remember correctly. And I blocked a lot of that out. And the next day, it's anatomic pathology. And both, like, you know, the standard eight-hour exams, really grueling. And most people get certified in both because you can. Some people end up doing a, a one year less and just doing clinical or just doing anatomic pathology. But the vast majority do both. And then if you do a subspecialty, there are a handful of subspecialties that you would do a one-year, most of the time, one-year fellowship for following your fellow, your residency. And there, the handful of them that are boarded, you take a board exam for them as well. And DermPath is one of those. And yes, you have to keep up all of those um, certifications. So and it's usually every 10 years. So for dermatopathology, like once you do that fellowship, so you do have to, in order to still, you know, practice as a dermatopathologist, you do have to recertify for your other two pathology ones, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's different. Yes. I don't know if you know that my husband, a triple boarded in pediatrics and sterile medicine and dermatology, but it, in that, I know <laughs> it's Whoa. a little crazy, but he uh, definitely loves school. And, but you know, he, I guess for him, he can recertify for internal medicine and peds if he wants to, which he actually did this past year. But I guess in that case, because they're not really like linked versus paths, right. your path are, cause it's like a subspecialty within, you know? Yeah. Technically, yeah. To be boarded in derm path, you have to be boarded in anatomic pathology or derm. Okay. Clinical pathology, I don't believe is a requirement technically, but I've but it's nice. Actually, yeah, <laughs> it's nice to have all of them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Awesome. Lots of jobs require you having all of them. Awesome. So, yeah. So I was reading more about like kind of like what your passions are. And so what is your definition of an exceptional life in the field of medicine? I think that an exceptional life in the field of medicine would be Feeling like you're able to do the things that you want to do in the most balanced way possible, <laughs> which I know that there's so many people, and I think I've said it myself before, I'm sure, that it's, you know, the work-life balance is a myth that's just made up, like you can never accomplish that. But I really believe that you can do anything you want to do. You might not be able to do it all at the same time, and it might not be balanced, but you have to, finding the closest thing that you can to that balance, I think, is the goal, is that's the main goal, is just trying to be at home, be a really good mom and wife when you're at home, when you're at work, being a really good physician when you're at work, you know, and 
doing the best at everything that you're juggling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard a few, you know, you have people that kind of think that that doesn't exist, like that it's work-life balance is BS. But then one of my organization productivity experts, Susan Sly, that I've taking courses with she you know it has a trademark organize your life but she super believes in basically everything that you just said regarding like you know you're at when you're at work you know you're at that state and you focus on that when you're with your yes. kids you're that and like you just have to be able to turn the switch off and on right yep like you mm -hmm. were saying it's about for me I found that I'm tempted to multitask and I'm tempted to try to juggle multiple things at the same time. But I really think that that takes away from what you're experiencing. You need, I feel like you need to wholly experience family life when you're at home as much as there is possible. Obviously, like if you're on call or if you're, you know, there's lots of exceptions. But, and then when you're at work, really wholly like being there and focusing on your work and doing just really killing it at work when you're there, killing it at home, when you're home. So, totally, totally. Yeah, and I feel like you get so much more fulfillment from it when you're like, wow, I'm on my way home from, you know, a long day, but I did awesome today. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, going to bed at the end of the evening and say, you know, maybe today at work didn't go as good as I wanted to, but like, I just was super present here with my family tonight. We had a great time. The kids laughed, you know, we had fun and played and like that, that was awesome. So I think that those are the key things that I've been trying and I think we'll constantly be trying to work on improving awesome. Completely <laughs> over agree. and over every day. <laughs> so like outside of the hospital, uh, other than, you know, you're saying work-life balance, but specifically within that, what are your top three tips for showing up for life outside of the hospital? Whether it be whatever it is for you, top three things that you do every day. That I do every day. Okay. Well, one of the things I would say that definitely helps definitely helps with the at-home stuff. I think even more than it helps with my professional stuff is like we said earlier, talking about like journaling, writing down your priorities, your goals, things you're thankful for, like little things that make you just have the appreciation of everything that you have at home. I feel like that that works more for me for my home life than it even does professionally. Like of course there's professional goals and stuff that I have to work on um, and work towards, but I feel like the act of writing down the things I'm grateful for and writing down the things that I'm working towards, like being a just really amazing and, you know, um, intentional, like mother being a really like loving and present wife, you know, all of those things, writing them down is just a constant reminder every single day. And it really, you know, if I'm going to grab, go to grab my phone when I, you know, in the evening when the kids are playing, like that might pop into my head what I had written down in the morning that day and I might put it back down, you know? So I think that that is one big thing. Writing those things down every single day really helps me at home. Another thing that is huge that I've also started just this year since finally being out, I guess, attending status in the real world now, I have a little bit more stability. My husband and I have been able to go on a date night every single week and it is just a game changer. It's so amazing. It helps us, you know, have downtime and be able to focus on each other and just really communicate without being interrupted and plan for the future and reflect on things that have been happening with the family. And that is just huge as well. And I think another thing that we've been, that we work on that 
is very important that I need to continue to work on is putting down the phone. <laughs> putting down the phone is something that I know that my husband has told me and reminded me, you know, periodically like, hey, you don't really need to be on your phone, you know, in the car, just even driving in the car, you know, like putting that, the phone down present. and having a conversation. Yeah. Being present in the moment and the, the act of like putting your phone down, having hours that you decide that you're not going to be mess messing with the phone. And that, that makes a big difference for totally. us. Totally. So. I love all three of those. So basically journaling, <laughs> you know, putting down your gratitude and then, you know, date nights weekly, which I mm -hmm. schedule it in my planner and even highlight them with a certain color. Yes. <laughs> and then of course, putting down that phone to really, so you're just stay sane and don't look at your phone the first five seconds you're up, you know, other than yes. alarm. But <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Resisting picking up. Yeah. You tur turn off the alarm and Yes. Or have another alarm, which I plan to get another alarm. So awesome. Okay. So I love all those tips. So now that, you know, you, you said that you just, uh, became an attending this past year. Is that okay. So yeah. as a, you know, physician, what are your different ways if you want to share that you have uh, cash flow as a physician? Are there, you know, different ways that you and your husband think about having different cash flow? Yeah, well, we, we, have been making plans. We haven't done a lot of them yet. Right now, we are concentrating on really having a good financial plan. We have a financial planner and we're focusing on paying down those loans at the moment. So <laughs> that is our primary focus. But besides my income and my husband's income right now, we don't have anything additional coming in, but I have plans in the works for the future for a couple of different things we've been, we've thought of and are starting to look into possibly getting into real estate and stuff like that. Things of like passive income, super interested in doing it. Not quite at the moment <laughs> being yeah. able to get into that, but it's definitely something that is on the list of things to do in the future, but we are tackling those student loans. I agree. I agree. <laughs> put that, don't put those back because it, it could take 20 years or so. We're, we're at the same page. I mean, we're trying to, you know, do that, tackle those first and that way mm -hmm. you're done with that first. <laughs> yeah, there, it is huge. So yeah, it's, it's something that we're really trying to do. Live as little as we can, you know, not inflate our lifestyle during the first couple of years that I'm out as an attending making, you know, the first real salary. <laughs> no, that's so important. Too, so. You know, that's yeah. so important. I love that. I love that. So what are your goals with, you were telling me about Dr's doc. What are your goals with Dr's doc? Right now I'm, I, I've always been very motivated. Like it just kind of like sets my soul on fire when I get to talk with other people that are walking the same path that I've already walked and being able to give them some advice and have them learn from my mistakes or learn from things that I've learned, lessons that I've learned, be able to connect with them and make it maybe a little bit easier for them. <laughs> and that's just something I've always enjoyed. I've always volunteered, you know, as, as a mentor and just that is really where I'm at at the moment on social media. I'm on Instagram as Doctors Doc. I'm on Facebook and Twitter under just Aaron Coralquist MD. And I'm just trying to make content that is motivating and useful for people that are either pre-med in medical training right now, or maybe out in early practice like myself. 
and putting, making myself available to people if they ever have, to those same people if they ever have questions or need some guidance along the way. I have some plans for the future, but it's kind of new, so I'm not quite there yet, but I'm awesome. excited. Well, keep those big goals there and yes. you know, collaborate with others and you know, you'll get there. And as long as you keep that true mission, like in your heart and close to that, I think, you know, it, it, yeah. people will see that. So that's awesome. <laughs> Outside of medicine, I saw that you like CrossFit, but what like other than CrossFit, which is great. I haven't tried that yet, but what is one of your other passions outside of medicine? Or you could list a few that you like. So I've really, really enjoyed, we've kind of already touched on this with the books that I've been reading recently, but really enjoyed being able to start picking up a book. <laughs> that's not a medical book. So that's one of the things. And I've been listening to, so I'm really working on a lot of like using my free time that I now have that I didn't have maybe as much as of before to do a lot of self-improvement, listening, reading books, listening to podcasts, you know, just opening up my eyes and my heart to like new things that maybe were a little more behind the scenes or under the radar when I was just solely focused on doing medicine and my totally. medical training. Or sometimes you now. just don't know. I mean, you're just yeah. so focused on one that it's like, you don't even know this other world exists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm sure your family appreciate, you know, like everyone can see changes in someone when they're growing. It's always great to grow and change and just be expansive, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's wonderful. And for exercise, so what do you, have you always done CrossFit or is that like a new? No. Oh, okay. So that's I've kind of done a bunch of different things. I, like I said, I did go through the phase of, which I don't do very much now of running and really, you know, accomplished that one half marathon and did some, you know, 5Ks here and there, but that, that was something that I was really happy that I accomplished, but wasn't my cup of tea exactly. So I have moved on to different things. I, I grew up as a dancer and did that for many years. And I've taken just adult dance classes in the past. I've done yoga and hot yoga and just lifting weights at the gym on my own. You know, I've kind of done a little bit of all of it, but just this past year I've started since I've moved back to Tallahassee. I've started doing CrossFit and it is just awesome. It's been so much fun. It's, I think it's also something that I've enjoyed being able to do again, like lifting, lifting heavy weights and stuff since I've had two babies in the last couple of years <laughs> that I kind of wasn't able to do some of this heavy lifting and stuff, which I really do enjoy. And it's something that's, it's so challenging. It's different every day and it's very competitive and you can always improve. And so there's always that room for improvement. Like you can never be, I mean, there's technically, I guess, a top CrossFit person out there <laughs> in the world, but you know, something I'm, I'm never going to be that, you know, it's, yeah. I'm always going to have some type of improvement that I can make. And it's just, it's, a, it's something I've really, really enjoyed recently. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I, I think any, anything where we have competition, you know, yes. workout classes, like my husband goes to this morning, kind of like an orange theory style, but uh -huh. he, he goes sometimes I'm like, Oh, you already went so many times. It's like, Oh, but like, I, there's some competitive nature to it that, yes. you know, makes him want to go again and again. Yes. <laughs> and with CrossFit, you you have, there's an app that you use and you see everybody else's performance mm -hmm. for that day, which my orange theory or those types of things might have the same thing. I haven't done orange theory really before. And, and it logs like your past performance as well. And so you can gauge against yourself how you've been improving and you can see how you're performing compared to others as well. And so it's constantly seeing your growth and your improvement and it's, it's really cool. 
Awesome. So back to your kids, because I know you, you know, you, you told me that they really, you know, changed your life and, you know, in a meaningful way. So what kind of legacy do you want to leave for your children? Oh, wow. I want my children. I think the very biggest thing I have a son and a daughter and for both of them, but especially for my daughter, I want her to grow up knowing that she can do anything that she wants to. And there's no restriction. She can be a CEO if she wants to. She can be a teacher if she wants to. She can do whatever makes her fulfilled and her heart happy. And she can do that and be a mother. She can be a stay-at-home mother. She can do whatever. I, I don't want, I want them to see me. I want to show them their mom living her best life, always trying to improve things, always working to balance as much as possible. And I think that being the happiest person that I can be and being as fulfilled of a person that I can be will be the legacy for them that they can do that in return, that they can live a life that's just as happy, that's just as fulfilled. I don't want them to see me like, oh, mom had to, you know, she wasn't able to do this or able to do that. Or she was really not happy because she really wished she could have, you know, I don't know, done whatever. (laughs) And so, yeah. I think you're, you know, they must be so proud of you, even though they're so little. I mean, I mean, the one-year-old, I don't know, well, the two-year-old, but almost three, but you know, I I know that when they look up to their, you know, their mom and they will, you know, they'll, they'll see that they'll be so proud of you. Yeah. I think, I think my son, that's the almost three-year-old, I think he's starting to understand that mom is a doctor and of course he doesn't know what type of doctor I am, but he now mimics like with the pretends to have a stethoscope around his neck and like pretends to take someone's heart rate you know <laughs> yeah. it's so so That's cute so and I'm cute. like oh mom doesn't really do that mom you're like I'll just teach you about what kind of doctor I'm at later yeah. I won't ruin it. I won't, like, we don't oh. need to go into that yeah we'll just pretend <laughs> most people like to pretend with a stethoscope not with a microscope right yes exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. So, oh my gosh, I, I could, I, I seriously love, first of all, you're a dermatopathologist, which is awesome. But <laughs> I love speaking with you today. And do you want to leave anything else? Do you want to leave my millennial doc listeners with? Well, I think, I think that the biggest thing is, I guess the biggest thing that I would leave you guys with that I think is the most important thing that encompasses everything that I am, have learned and learning about myself in this life and making it as exceptional life as you can as a doctor is just every day if nothing else goes right and everything else is going wrong you didn't quite make the mark of whatever that happens to be today just choose to be happy like just having that reminder and saying maybe this could be my favorite quote (laughs) is just choose (laughs) happiness like that is something that telling myself having that repeat in my head that, you know, something might not go my way, but that doesn't mean that my day is shot. That doesn't mean that my week or my year or whatever is shot. You know, you can still choose happiness. And I think that that's 
that's the most awesome. important thing right, probably guys. in life. <laughs> that's, yes. So, all right, guys. So just like Dr. Erin Carlquist said, choose happiness. And I just want to remind you guys to just go follow her at Instagram.com slash doctors underscore doc. And she's also on Facebook and Twitter. You'll see the, her links on the show notes. Thank you so much for being on. And I hope you, you. all love this episode. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Millennial Doc Podcast. I am so thankful for your support and hope you receive inspiration today to discover a better you, better health, and your best life. It would mean the world to me if you can take a second to share this episode with someone you think would love it. For free resources and inspiration, head over to drnicoletta.com and make sure to follow Millennial Doc Podcast on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes. And it would mean so much to me if you left a five-star review of the show. As always, step out with confidence and rock your life.